morning, and welcome to our live broadcast at First Presbyterian. It is a joy to come into your home today with good news about God who loves you. If you're ever in Uptown Columbus, we invite you to stop by and say hello. We love to see you, have you worship with us. We'll make you feel like family. At First Presbyterian, we are family. Learning together, growing together, worshiping together. Please rise for the call to worship. On the journey of faith, we are pilgrims and sojourners. We travel on the pathway of the saints who have gone before us. Though we follow the same landmarks, each generation faces a terrain that is new and different. Trusting in the God that has led our ancestors, leads us now, and will lead the generations to come. Let us worship God this morning.
please be seated. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin, sin that clings so closely. Trusting in God's faithfulness and compassion, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Almighty and merciful God, we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Spare those who confess their faults. Restore those who are penitent according to your promises declared to the world in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O merciful God, for his sake, that we may live a holy, just, and humble life to the glory of your holy name. Death has been overcome, and sin has been conquered. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. Everything that is old has passed away, and a new life has begun. Friends, hear and believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Seated. Children, come forward and meet Courtney Bath on the steps. Good morning. How are you? Good. Do you ever find it easy to wake up? Sometimes it's really hard to wake up, isn't it? Riley wakes up, she gets up, and she is up and going. She is not grumpy at all. But sometimes I wake up and I think, I'm a little grumpy. I'm, I have a hard time getting up. So there are some things that can help us wake up in the morning. What are, does anybody know some things that can help us wake up in the morning? 
you brush your teeth in the morning. What helps you wake up? An alarm clock. An alarm clock rings, you hear a radio or a buzzer, and you wake up, right? What else? Maybe the birds chirping outside can help you wake up. Well, sometimes when you're really grumpy, you might need something like, like uh, pots and pans. Yeah. You might need, somebody might have to come in with a microphone and, like, get right in your ear. And yeah. So, you know, it, it really is kind of hard. You know, there's all kinds of things that can help us wake up in the morning. Well, let me ask you a question. So if we make enough noise, we can wake just about anybody up. So, however, no matter how much noise we make, I don't think we can wake up somebody who has died and gone to heaven. Do you? Do you think that there is somebody who can? I think we're going to learn about a story today about one of Jesus' friends named Lazarus. And Jesus was able to wake him up. After going, he went to heaven, and then Jesus brought him back and woke him up. So that's what we're going to be learning about today. He was, in, in 11, chapter 11 of John's Gospel, we read about how Jesus' friend Lazarus died. By the time Jesus got to his house, he had already been dead for four days. Of course, no one else could bring him back to life, but Jesus, Jesus called out, Lazarus, come out. Can you say that? Let's call him out. Ready? One, two, three. Lazarus, come out. And do you know what? Lazarus immediately came back to life from the dead. And that's, it's just amazing that Jesus has that power to do that. All right, can we go ahead and bow our heads and pray? Oh, pray on three, two, one. Thank you. Help us to follow Jesus and trust that nothing can separate us from his love and power. Let our light shine as we celebrate this wonderful day. Amen.
first lesson this morning is from the first chapter of the book of Genesis, verses 26 through 27 and verse 31. Listen for God's word. Then God said, Let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the wild animals of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God saw everything that he had made, and, it, and indeed, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. Please be seated. Once again, those who are able are invited to stand for our second lesson. The Gospel of Matthew in the fifth chapter, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. Words that Jesus spoke to his disciples, to those who were listening to his sermon that day, and words Jesus speaks to us. Saying, you are the light of the world. A city set upon a hill cannot be hidden. Neither does one light a candle and put it under a bushel basket, but upon the lampstand so that it gives light to all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light so shine so that others may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. It is a day of celebration every time God's people gather in God's house to worship. And this is one of those days of celebration marked by Mother's Day and Happy Mother's Day to all of the mothers among us. We give thanks for you. 
We also give thanks for the mothers that God gave to each one of us, whether they are still with us or whether they are cheering us on from the balcony of heaven. We also recognize there are those mothers-to-be in our midst as well. Happy Mother's Day to you all. It's also Confirmation Sunday. In just a few minutes, we will be receiving into membership and celebrating the membership of 17 young people in the life of this church. It is a high and holy day of celebration indeed, and I'm glad that you are all with us, whether through our TV ministry or whether you are here in our sanctuary. I want to begin this morning uh, painting a scene from a movie that came out a few years ago entitled Aquila and the Bee. How many of you are familiar with or saw that movie, Aquila and the Bee? Several of you. Let me tell you about it. Aquila is a young African-American. She is about 11 or 12 years old. She's living in one of the large cities in our country in a rather uh, depressed and violent area of that city. She has a hard life ahead of her. Her father is deceased. Her mother is struggling to raise her child and uh, other siblings. And Aquila is discovered... Uh, she discovers, and, and maybe it is, it is discovered by others, that she has a talent for spelling. She's a remarkable speller. When she wins her school competition and then the regional competition and going on making progress to possibly make it to the National Spelling Bee, she, is, uh, she gains the attention of Dr. Larrabee. And he agrees to consider taking on Aquila as a student, to coach her, to realize her full potential, and possibly to make it to the National Spelling Bee. In this scene, rather reluctantly, Aquila goes to Dr. Larrabee's office, and he is sitting behind his large desk. And this small girl is standing there in front of him, and he asks her, do you have any goals? Keel says, hmm? Goals. You know, what do you want to be when you grow up? A doctor? A lawyer? A stand-up comic? And Aquila shrugs again and she says, I don't know. The only thing that I'm good at is spelling. And then Dr. Larrabee pauses and he glances at a framed document in his office and he says to Aquila, go over there and read that quotation. It's on the wall. Read it out loud. And so Aquila goes over to the wall and she looks at the quotation and she reads, Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant? To be gorgeous, talented, and fabulous. Actually, who are you not to be? We were born to make manifest the glory of God within us. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. Then Dr. Larrabee says, does that mean anything to you? I don't know. It's written in plain English. What does it mean? Aquila answers, that I'm not supposed to be afraid? Afraid of what? Dr. Larrabee says. Afraid of 
And at this point, Akilah turns away from the wall and back toward Dr. Laramie, Larrabee at his desk, and she says, Afraid of me? Dr. Larrabee continues, The national spelling bee is a tough nut. I've seen it chew kids up and spit them out. So if you want to get there, you can't be a shrinking violet. You've got to stand up and show them what you've got, all right? And Akilah nods. And I will brook no nonsense, he continues. You show up on time with no attitude, or it's over. Agreed? Akilah sticks out her small hand across the desk, and Dr. Larrabee clasps her hand, and she says, Agreed. powerful scene, a powerful quote. I actually was aware of this quote before I saw the movie some years before because it was, this quote was attributed to Nelson Mandela. Sure, we know the story of his, of his persecution and imprisonment as a black African in South Africa, but he overcame all of, all of that to be elected as the first black president of South Africa. He was attributed as, as, as making this quote in one of his speeches, but what we found out was it was not Mandela who said this, but an author named Marianne Williamson in one of her books. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure, she writes. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We were all meant to shine as children do. You are a child of God, and playing it small does not serve the world. We were born to make manifest the glory of God within us. It is not just in some of us. It is in everyone, she writes. As we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. That quote, then and now, touches me at a deep place. Because I th it makes me realize that, yes, it, it is not an inadequacy that I fear, but really at a deeper level, it's a fear that I am powerful beyond measure. There's something greater that you and I are called to do. It is not our darkness that we fear, but our light because of the power, the authority, the beauty, and the calling that it places upon each one of us as children of God. Quote by Mandela, by Williamson, it sounds a lot like what Jesus is saying to his disciples. In the passage that we read from Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus there above the fishing village on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, on that mountainside overlooking that beautiful scene, Jesus preaching to his disciples and to all who had gathered to hear him preach that day. And Jesus says, you are the light of the world. You. You are the light of the world. You are meant to shine like a city on a hill. You are meant to be like a candle on a lampstand in a house, not covered. Do not let Satan snuff out your light. Let it shine. It gives light to all who are in the house. Jesus says, let your light shine so that other people may see your good works and pat you on the back. No. So that they may see your good works and tell you what a good person you are. No. 
so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. You are the light of the world. But so many of us want to say, no, Jesus, you've got it wrong. We're not the light of the world. Jesus, you are the light of the world. That's what you said, and we will quickly quickly flip over into the Gospel of John in the 8th chapter and the 12th verse where Jesus says, I am the light of the world. But if we read the rest of that verse, it says, and those who follow me will not be in darkness. They will have the light of life. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. And as we follow him as the light, as we walk in the light, we become the light. We are called to shine. We are called to shine. The disciples needed to hear these words then. They needed to hear them again. I can imagine that Jesus continued to teach his disciples these things. After the crucifixion, after the resurrection... For in the Easter season in which we are in at this particular time of the Christian year, Jesus, for those 40 days after his resurrection, was teaching his disciples. He appeared to them and continued to counsel and teach them all that they should know because Jesus had a job for them to do. Jesus was calling them to be light in the world and empowering them to do so. These are words that I'm sure that Jesus said to his disciples again. They needed to hear these words. We need to hear these words. In the Christian year, we, this past week on Thursday, recognized Ascension Day. Because it was 40 days after Jesus' resurrection that he ascended from the Mount of Olives to be with his Father. Leaving his disciples in the city, telling them, stay in the city. Wait until you're clothed in power. I will not leave you alone. I will not ask you to be my hands and feet in the world without empowering you to be able to do the job that I'm calling you to do. And here we are in that between time after the ascension and before the gift of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost which comes next Sunday waiting, praying, hoping, and hearing God's word to us. As the disciples heard, you are the light of the world. And it is a tough world in which we are called to be the light. It is a dark world, a violent world, a greedy world, an unfair world in which we are called to be the light of Christ and his hands and his feet. As Dr. Larrabee said to Aquila, it is a world that will chew you up and spit you out. But we are not left alone at the mercy of the world. Jesus said to his disciples, in this world you will have trouble, but fear not, I have overcome the world. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Believe in God, believe also in me, and I am giving you my Holy Spirit. I am breathing my very life into your life, so that you may do what it is I am calling you to do as my brothers and sisters, my friends. How are we doing is shining the light of Jesus Christ in the world as those who bear Christ's light, who bear Christ's spirit in this world. Just last month, a study by the Barna Group that does church studies and surveys and trends and, and movements within 
national and global Christianity, a study has come out that has said that Christians in the, in, in, in the United States are starting to look more like Pharisees than they are look, to look like Jesus Christ. How is it that we are differentiating ourselves in the world as those who follow Christ or are we those who are deluded by our culture and it's hard to say who's a Christian and who's not? In the survey, they asked they ask Christians to respond to these Christ-like actions and attitudes. The questions that were asked of the responders were, I listen to others to learn their story before telling them about my faith. In recent years, I have influenced multiple people to consider following Christ. I regularly choose to have meals with people very different, of very, very different faith and morals from me. I try to discover the needs of non-Christians rather than waiting for them to come to me. I am personally spending time with non-believers to help them follow Jesus. And then these attitudes like Jesus, how do we stack up? How do we measure? I see God-given value in every person regardless of their past or present condition. I believe God is for everyone. I see God working in people's lives even when they are not following Him. It is more important to help people know God is for them than to make sure they know they are sinners. I feel compassion for people who are not following God and doing immoral things. How do we stack up? Another survey that was, that was taken recently among young non-Christians. Among those young non-Christians, they indicated that they that 84 percent of them knew someone who was Christian and of that number those young non-Christians said that of that 84 percent they could perceive in 15 percent of them a positive difference in the way that they live their life because they follow Jesus Christ 84% young non-Christians knew a Christian, but of that 84%, only 15% they could identify as that having made any difference in the way they live their lives. My friends, Jesus Christ says to us, you are the light of the world and we are called to shine. To shine in the darkness. And we are called to be not solo lights, but to be a body of believers, a constellation of lights in the world. And we gain the strength, the ability, the equipping to shine in the world by being connected to the body that is the church. And we are taught in God's word that, that the body is made up of many different parts and everybody has a part to play. And one part of the body can't say to the other, I don't need you, or I don't need you. No, there is one body, there is one spirit, there is one head of the body, Jesus Christ. We all have our part to play, whether it be in a small and private way or in a large and public way. We all have an important, important part to play in being the body of Christ in the world. You know, last week, I was so humbled and gratified and thrilled by the way that our young people led the worship service. And seeing all of those young people spread out across the front of the church and their, their bright and smiling faces, 
And they did such a beautiful job. To think that they were raised in, in the church and are learning the faith in, in, in our community of faith. It's very humbling and gratifying. And I loved so much what Alan said in his homily. Remember when he was talking about following Jesus and, and being tested or having an opportunity to put his faith into practice. And he was part of teen advisors and he had taken a pledge not to drink and not to have sex before marriage. And he had followed these things and, 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 and he had pledged himself to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. But he said, my faith was never tested until that night at a New Year's Eve party when one of his friends came up and offered him an alcoholic beverage. And he said, I was so happy that I could say no. And my friend was looking at me wondering, why does he have that big smile on his face when he's refusing this? And I, in my mind, could see Alan standing there at that New Year's Eve party lit up like a light bulb. And how many other beautiful examples in the lives of our young people can we point to? Or, or, and, and, and do we know that they are shining in the world in large and small and all significant ways? And what a beautiful thing to see that they are raised up in the church growing in their faith, going on to fulfill God's calling in their lives and in the world. You know, I, I, loved, I loved so much what uh, the Apostle Paul said to young Timothy, who was his mentee, and Paul was passing on the baton to young Timothy, and, and he, sa he says this to him, let no one look down on you for your youthfulness, but rather in speech and conduct, love and faith and purity, show yourself an example of those who believe. Don't let anybody look down on you because you are young. And then Paul writes this in his second letter to Timothy. He says this, For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first, first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am sure dwells in you. And here it is, mothers. Here it is, grandmothers. Thank you for planting the seeds of faith in your children and your grandchildren. And here Paul is calling to mind for Timothy what was done for him by his grandmother and his mother. And then Paul goes on to say this, And for this reason I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God that is in you, Timothy, which you received through the laying on of my hands. In just a moment, we're going to lay hands on these young people. What an important and powerful thing. And you will never forget, this is God's hand that's laid upon you in God's church. God has an incredible purpose for you in his life. And then Paul says this for us all, for God has not given us a spirit of timidity. God has given us a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a spirit of self-control. And we are created to make manifest the glory of God and to shine. And it's for all people. And yes, it is our job to shine, but also our job is to also see the light from others because the light is for everyone. And so here are your marching orders. This is your assignment for the week to come. Very simply, I want you to use three words to frame every relationship, every encounter that you have with another human being this week. 
The three words that I want you to say to yourself are image of God, image of God, image of God. When you meet a stranger, when you see somebody walking on the street, when you see a homeless person, when you encounter somebody in the line at, at, at the grocery store, when somebody cuts you off in traffic, let image of God be what shapes your thought about that other person. Do that for the stranger. Do it for the enemy. Do it for the one that you don't care for. The one that, that, that would, would want to do you wrong, that you avoid and don't have warm and fuzzy feelings for. Think about that person and when you do encounter them, use these words to frame your reference of them. Image of God. Do it for your friends at school, in the office, wherever you find yourself. Image of God. Do it for your family members, your brothers, your sisters, your mother, your father. Image of God. You may have been married to her for 50 years, but look at her again and let those three words frame how you look at that face afresh. And you know when we do this with the people that we encounter, I believe that we will see light leaking out of people that we have never seen before. And the last thing I ask you to do is when you go to bed tonight and you're brushing and flossing your teeth or putting on your night cream or whatever you're doing, you're going to look in the mirror and let those three words frame the image that you see there, your own image of God. You are created in the image of God. We were created to make manifest the glory of God. You are the light of the world. Shine, people of God, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want to ask the, the, the sponsors for our confirmands, the confirmands to assemble up front as we prepare to say what it is we believe with the Apostles' Creed. stand and say what it is we believe. Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. It is a day of great joy and celebration, and we receive 17 new members in the life of our church, and two more a little bit later in the worship service. But let me tell you and remind you about this confirmation process. It begins at baptism. And all of these young people were previously baptized. And I'll tell you, Mary Howard was baptized at 845 in the chapel because she was not baptized as an infant. But at baptism, whether that person be 9 or 90 or 9 months, the congregation enters into a covenant, an agreement, and we say that we will be part of the raising of that child, the growth of that individual in the knowledge and the love of Jesus Christ. 
we pledge to be with the parents and to go on the journey with them. And we have with these young people. And now they are standing before us on their own strong legs and with their own voice they are saying, I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and I will follow Jesus wherever He wants me to go. I will do whatever Jesus wants me to do. I will be whatever Jesus wants me to be. That's what they're saying. And we celebrate that statement of theirs today. They have been through four months of classes. They have crafted and shared faith statements with the session. They have been on a retreat. They had broken bones and bumps and bruises. We should have handed out crash helmets when we took them on a retreat. But they had a great time. They'll never forget it. They created these beautiful stoles that speak of their individual faith and what it means to them. And this morning in the chapel, they went through an oral exam, and they have been approved by the session as official members of the church. And we honor and celebrate that journey and where they are, and we pledge to continue to be with them on the journey today. So at this time, I would like the sponsors to introduce the confirmation class of 2013. At uh, St. Luke's, he is the son of Chad and Elizabeth Cottrell and the brother to uh, Walker, Francis, and Louise. And on behalf of uh, Tom Flournoy, who unfortunately is away, I would like to uh, introduce to you uh, Sam Lemieux. He is a sixth grader at Brookstone. He is the son of David and Jamie Lemieux and the brother to Henry. Please welcome Sam and Wills. Sally Hatcher Dismew. She's the uh, daughter of Sam and Sarah Dismew and the sister of Sam and Madden and my grandniece. She is a sixth grader at Brookstone School. Privileged to introduce to you Ben Lee Sellers. Ben is in the seventh grade at Midland Middle School. His parents are Deb, uh, Terry and Deb Sellers, and he is the brother to Lindsay. It's my pleasure to present Georgia Emmeline Van Dorn, daughter of doctors John and Judy Van Dorn, sister to Jenny Van Dorn, and her grandparents, Constant and Donald Van Dorn, are members here as well, and she is a sixth grader at Richards Middle School. I'd like to introduce Kevin Steger, son of Jean and Lisa Steger, he is a sixth grader at Blackman Road Middle School. I'd like to introduce Julia Louise Harbison. She's the daughter of Rob and Elizabeth Harbison, the older sister to Kate, and she is a sixth grader at Richards Middle School. It is my honor to introduce Grace Hemmings, daughter of Kathy and John Hemmings, and sister of Rachel, and she's a sixth grader at Brookstone. Pleasure. On behalf of Kathy R. was Caroline's sponsor, and I'm proud to stand in for her this morning. Caroline Mobley, Mobley, I'm sorry, seventh grader at Blackman Road Middle School. Her parents are Claire and Don Bowles and Wade Mobley. It is my joy and privilege to be the sponsor for and to introduce 
Virginia Ann Pearson, daughter of Scott and Elizabeth Pearson, sister to Lynn Pearson, and she is a sixth grader at Brookstone School. And I'm pleased to introduce Abby Ann Cudd, sixth grader at Richards Middle School. Abby's the daughter of Leah and Jarrett Cudd and big sister to Sam and Keaton. It's my pleasure to introduce Lucille Boyd Bickerstaff. She's a sixth grader at St. Luke's School. Her parents are Boone and Fitz Bickerstaff. She has a sister, Ada, a brother, Boone, and her grandmother is Margie Bickerstaff and the late Lindsay Bickerstaff. I'm proud to introduce Mary Catherine Howard, a sixth grader at Calvary Christian School, the daughter of June and Bruce Howard, and she is pleased to have a big brother, John. I'm pleased to introduce to you Emily Elliott. Emily is the daughter of Bob and Wendy Elliott, and she is a sixth grade student at Brookstone School. I'm pleased to introduce William Wade Mobley. Will is the son of uh, Claire Gamage Bowles and Wade Mobley, and the grandson of Alice Gamage. He is also the proud brother of a twin sister, Caroline, and a younger brother, Walker. Uh, Will is the, a National Junior Honor Society member at Blackman Road Middle School. privilege to introduce um, Morgan McKinley Dow. She is the daughter of Aaron and Faith Dow, and she is in the sixth grade at St. Luke's. It's my privilege and pleasure to introduce to you and present to you Isabel Ballard Powers. She is the daughter of Lisa and the late Lucius Powers and of Joe Moorhead. She also is a sister to big sister, um, Mary Casey Powers. She is a sixth grade student at St. Luke's School. Now for the length of one of hands and for the questions to each one of the confirmands. Pastors will join me. Sally, will you kneel, please? I ask you, who is your Lord and Savior? Defend, O Lord, your servant Sally with your heavenly grace, that she may continue yours forever and daily increase in your Holy Spirit more and more until she comes to your everlasting kingdom. Amen. Emmy, who is your Lord and Savior? Please kneel. Defend, O Lord, your servant Emmy with your heavenly grace that she may continue yours forever and daily increase in your Holy Spirit more and more until she comes to your everlasting kingdom. Amen. Julia, who is your Lord and Savior? Please kneel. Defend, O Lord, your servant Julia with your heavenly grace that she may continue yours forever and daily increase in your Holy Spirit more and more until she comes to your everlasting kingdom. Amen. Caroline, who is your Lord and Savior? Please kneel. 
Defend, O Lord, your servant Caroline with your heavenly grace, that she may continue yours forever and daily increase in your Holy Spirit more and more until she comes to your everlasting kingdom. Amen. Abby, who is your Lord and Savior? Leave me. Defend, O Lord, your servant Abby with your heavenly grace, that she may continue yours forever and daily increase in your Holy Spirit more and more until she comes to your everlasting kingdom. Amen. Mary, who is your Lord and Savior? Please kneel. Defend, O Lord, your servant Mary with your heavenly grace, that she may continue yours forever and daily increase in your Holy Spirit more and more until she comes to your everlasting kingdom. Amen. Will, who is your Lord and Savior? Please kneel. Defend, O Lord, your servant Will with your heavenly grace, that he may continue yours forever and daily increase in your Holy Spirit more and more until he comes to your everlasting kingdom. Amen. Morgan, who is your Lord and Savior? Please kneel. Defend, O Lord, your servant Morgan with your heavenly grace, that she may continue yours forever and daily increase in your Holy Spirit more and more until she comes to your everlasting kingdom. Amen. Isabel, who is your Lord and Savior? Please kneel. Defend, O Lord, your servant Isabel with your heavenly grace, that she may continue yours forever and daily increase in your Holy Spirit more and more until she comes to your everlasting kingdom. Amen. Emily, who is your Lord and Savior? Please kneel. Defend, O Lord, your servant Emily with your heavenly grace that she may continue yours forever and daily increase in your Holy Spirit more and more until she comes to your everlasting kingdom. Amen. Boyd, who is your Lord and Savior? Please kneel. Defend, O Lord, your servant Boyd with your heavenly grace until she may be yours forever and daily increase in your Holy Spirit more and more until she comes to your everlasting kingdom. Amen. Virginia, who is your Lord and Savior? Please kneel. Defend, O Lord, your servant Virginia with your heavenly grace that she may continue yours forever and daily increase in your Holy Spirit more and more until she comes to your everlasting kingdom. Amen. Grace. Who is your Lord and Savior? Please kneel. Defend, O Lord, your servant Grace with your, with your heavenly grace, that she may continue yours forever and daily increase in your Holy Spirit more and more until she comes to your everlasting kingdom. Amen. Kevin, who is your Lord and Savior? Defend, O Lord, your servant Kevin with your heavenly grace, that he may continue yours forever and daily increase in your Holy Spirit more and more until he comes to your everlasting kingdom. Amen. Ben, who is your Lord and Savior? Please kneel. Defend, O Lord, your servant Ben with your heavenly grace, 
that he may continue yours forever and daily increase in your Holy Spirit more and more until he comes to your everlasting kingdom. Amen. Sam, who is your Lord and Savior? Defend, O Lord, your servant Sam with your heavenly grace that he may continue yours forever and daily increase in your Holy Spirit more and more until he comes to your everlasting kingdom. Amen. Wills, who is your Lord and Savior? Please kneel. Defend, O Lord, your servant Wills with your heavenly grace, that he may continue yours forever and daily increase in your Holy Spirit more and more until he comes to your everlasting kingdom. Amen. We are the people of God, members of the household of faith, a royal priesthood. Proclaim with us the good news of Christ for all the world. We are one in Christ Jesus. Share with us the table of God's Bibles have been presented by the sponsors to each one of our confirmands as part of our Bibles for Life program. At the conclusion of the service, after the benediction, you will be invited forward to greet the confirmants who will be across the front of the sanctuary. Let us welcome these new members of the family of God. Seated. And... Jack Benedict, I'm going to call you to go to the pulpit for your announcement. And while you're walking up there, I'm going to make my other announcements, okay, so it can be timed perfectly. I invite you all to sign the visitor's pads, the attendance pads at the end of your pews. Just pass it down. If you're a first-time guest, please include your address and phone number back to its point of origin. Following the worship, extend the right hand of fellowship. We have several great things coming up in the weeks ahead, church family supper, also, a church field trip to Montgomery. The uh, information is here in the bulletin, um, but I encourage you to sign up if you would like to attend. Also, summer supper clubs, calling it 4 by 4 The details are in the bulletin, but if you'd like to participate, please sign up for that too. And now, uh, Jack Benedict, who's a member of the board of the Presbyterian Homes, as is Reverend Hasty, but he's got about 20 years on Reverend Hasty in his attendance. Good fun here. Thank you for giving me just a second, and I'll be just as brief as I can. In your bulletins today, you received uh, a brochure about Presbyterian Homes of Georgia. I'm not going into details. If you'll just read it, uh, it'll tell you a little bit about them. If you want any more information, please contact myself or Reverend Hasty, and we'll be happy to help you give a little more background information about the home. The main thing I want to talk to you about this morning is this little envelope right here. This is Mother's Day Offering. Once a year on Mother's Day, the home asks each church in the state of Georgia to supplement the home with an offering. This offering goes into what's called the Caring Hands Fund. 
this fund, 100% of this fund, every penny goes to the care of people in our home that have run out of money and do not have a place to go if they didn't have their home at Presbyterian Home of Georgia. Out of the 1,000 people that we uh, have in the homes, over 300 have gotten to the age they've run out of money. And without these funds, they would have to be turned loose into the general population, live with parents, live with, or live with children, uh, whatever. And some may not have any place to go. So this is the main fundraiser that supports the Caring Hand funds each year. We have a few other fundraisers, a golf tournament, Gaelic auction, different things. But this, this fund is, is what really makes these people have a good place to live for the rest of this year. Now, the good news is that an individual, anonymous individual, has come to the home and said that this year's offering of every church in the state of Georgia, he will match dollar for dollar what the congregation will give if someone in the congregation or a group in the, con in the congregation will match the general con uh, uh, gift. So we have had several people in our congregation to be very, very generous, shining their light on us and these people that says they will do that. So for every dollar you give, it's going to be $3 going to the home. If you give $10, it's going to be $30. If you give $100, it'll be $300. If you give $500, it'll be $1,500 that the home will receive. Every penny goes to these people. No administrative expenses come out of this fund whatsoever. That comes out of the general operating fund. So please, uh, we've already had a few in the congregation to come step to the plate and say they would do this. Let's be very generous, and, and we can triple the amount of money that these people will have to live on the rest of the year. But let's let our light shine today on these people that the light has not shone on in the last few years. Thank you. Now it's time for the ushers to come forward and <laughs> take up the offer.
In the strong name of Jesus Christ, we dedicate the fruit of our strength, our tithes, our offerings, and our gifts. And we dedicate today our wills to obey. And we rededicate our hearts to follow holy in Jesus' name, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
David Terry and his wife Katie would come forward. I told you we had other new members to welcome at this time, and they were received this morning at the called meeting of the session in the chapel. Coming forward is David Terry uh, for celebration of his membership along with his wife Katie. Katie is already a lifelong member of the church. David is transferring letter from uh, another church, as is Becca Dawling, and her husband is deployed in Afghanistan, and standing with her is Claire Bowles, so Claire, you can stand up there with her. There you go. All right, I'm going to ask Becca, you, and David this question, who is your Lord and Savior? And do you promise with God's help to be a faithful member of this church? with the use of your time, your talent, and your treasure. Welcome to membership in Jesus Christ. We're going to put you all down on uh, the end of this line so that folks after the worship service can come and greet you as well. And again, you're invited to come and welcome our newest members. But as you go, hear these words. You are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are God's own people in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of the one who called you out of darkness into God's marvelous light. You are the light of the world. Shine, people of God. Go in peace in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.